Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Frank Arterwell, Senior Marketing Principal Workforce Strategy Innovation at Amazon. He discusses how the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence impacts marketing, but also how his role in recruitment is people-focused. He also shares a story about meeting Mark Zuckerberg. AJ loves to travel, and Vincent has a good day at work. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa. That must mean one thing and one thing only. It is another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I felt like I haven't talked to you in so long, but it's only been a few days. It's so good to be back here. Thank you so much for joining us on The Marketing Stir. Starista, really quick about us. Identity marketing company business data, consumer data. It's our own. We help you market to that. Get yourself some new customers. We could take in your data, model it. We could you know, fix it if it's fragmented. We could help you there. Our own DSP. We can execute programmatic, display, OTT, CTV. Enough about that. More about this next person. My co-host, the CEO of Starista. He is my co-pilot on this journey, or am I his co-pilot? Either way, same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's up, A.J.? Hey, Vincent. Uh, I believe I heard it's been a good day for you. You may have signed a pretty big deal today. Yes, yes. I love working with my customers. I love, you know, working on partnerships and deals that will help my customer out with Starista services. So yes, it was a good day for Starista. And a good good, day for you is a good day for me. Exactly. I always want to make you happy, AJ. I based my whole life on it, you know? So it goes (laughs) you, then my wife. That's really the, you know, the day that I I take every day. But yes, and I'm just, and and good for the client because they're going to get some of our amazing services. I won't reveal the client because that's what this podcast is not about. Our podcast is about our guests and our listeners. But AJ, before we get to our amazing guest with such great experience, I would love to, what do you got uh, cooking? What's good? You know, the weekend's coming up. What do you got? Anything special? You know what? Uh, Next week is Thanksgiving. So we are going to be kind of, uh, we've been, actually the only thing we have really been doing over uh, the various breaks have been uh, getting an Airbnb. So we ended up getting another one outside of Dallas. So we're going to head over there this weekend, uh, stay there for Thanksgiving. That's awesome. You are keeping Airbnb afloat. I mean, I'm sure they're doing fine, but you are keeping <laughs> them afloat. Good, sir. Just listen to the past podcast. You will hear it. Yeah, but- it's, uh, it's, it saves on the, uh, I guess we're saving on air travel costs and reinvesting it on Airbnb. So buy exactly. Airbnb stocks. Exactly. AJ is a huge investor, apparently, after these uh, (laughs) last few months, but that is great. What is also great is this next guest. I'm so happy we got him to agree to this because let me just list a few of the companies that this gentleman has been at. 24-Hour Fitness, Wells Fargo, Intuit, even United Airlines. Heard of them? GE Capital. 
oh, I don't know how this, he's still a young man. So I don't know how he did that at all these companies, but he's currently at Amazon. You've heard of Amazon. You sure have. We don't even need to do an intro about the company, but please help me welcome, ladies and gentlemen, the senior marketing principal, workforce strategy innovation at Amazon, Frank Adorel. What's going on, Frank? Well, nice meeting you guys. Uh, my first time to be uh, on a podcast with you, so I'm happy. And uh, I'm willing to give everything I have. So just do, and uh, you will get it. I love it. I love that about you. And I want to get into all of the, we could talk about the work stuff. I want to get into all the stuff you're doing with students and offering your teaching. We have plenty of time for that. But for those, you have a very unique title. I've <laughs> never heard of that job title before. That is a first here on the marketing stir. So Frank, please tell people about the role that you have within Amazon. Yes, so uh, based on the title, I think Amazon is always specific and it's specific also on the title. I don't understand my title either, but <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do is uh, I'm in charge uh, of recruiting talent. So I work in the back end of Amazon and I make sure that we run the business the way it should be run. So I recruit uh, talent in order to fulfill our facilities. So sortation centers, uh, fulfillment centers, and also recruit a driver to grow our fleet in order to make sure that we, had, we are at the full capacity. Um, in order to do that and manage marketing operations across the world, US and EMEA market, as well as market like Brazil, uh, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, and uh, what I do really is uh, trying to streamline marketing, make it more cost efficient when we recruit talent and making sure that uh, we are going to keep our talent. So the specific of my job is really think about the product as people, which I think is pretty unique and I like it. So I don't market uh, data, I market people. This is what I like. And, I like uh, that. Yeah. I like that unique, like you said, unique job title. You're unique, and it's uh, it's a unique uh, position within what you're doing. That that is awesome. But tell us about your journey to Amazon, and, and I'd love to hear about. I mean, look, Norm, I could go three hours on a podcast with you just to talk about all the amazing work and the companies you've done. But uh, tell us about uh, you know the past few experiences and how you got to Amazon. Oh, it's interesting questions. I think uh, my life has been based on opportunities. In fact, um, I was not looking for Amazon. They reached me. They say, Frank, we're interested about the way you leverage uh, technology. And by the time they reached me, I was finishing my book about um, the, the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence and how it impacts marketing and how you can make marketing more efficient by leveraging MarTech. So, and if you look at this way, um, is what was really interesting in Amazon. Uh, the rest of my background could be interesting, but what I've done for United Airlines or GE Capital, it, does, it doesn't count today because I believe that marketing uh, lasts no more than five years every time. Marketing is a cycle. Why? It's because of uh, tech revolutions. All the time you are on the spot. Even your company, by the way, you do DSP, you do DMP. It's a fragmented world. It's very interesting. So 10 years ago, 
I was not doing programmatic marketing. Today I do, but I do in a better way where I can try to do, uh, where I will do omni-channel strategy and making sure it works. So it's a kind of a simple answer, but um, it's really based on the forte. This is how I've been moving my career, company interested in it. And Frank, to follow up on the book you just mentioned, you know, what prompted you to write the book, uh, Personalization First or You Will Be Last? Any key takeaways from the book that you can share with us? <laughs> um, yes, uh, so I wrote this book because I wanted to reinforce the importance of uh, digitization of marketing. And I really wanted also to explain that achieving personalization today, so one-on-one -on -one communications, is just possible because of technology. So that was the main driver to do this, this book and also to educate uh, CEO and CMO about what is really uh, important today in marketing. The other aspect is um, I wanted to demystify the, uh, the complexity of MarTech because people think that MarTech is costly, it's a lot of technology, nobody understands, but they are wrong. Today, technology is accessible um, the way you'd like. And machine learning is really easy to absorb and to understand. And uh, that's was another aspect of the book that I wanted to. And the last one uh, is for kids. I wanted them to, uh, to get a book after reading Kotler. I think the book I've done is really to help the audience to understand if you want to embrace marketing today, what is it going to be your journey tomorrow? And uh, I have, a, I have a, a part of the committee where uh, I'm trying to help uh, students and I always talk about digital marketing and the future or the paradigm of the new marketing. And this book is all about that. And Frank, uh, at your day-to-day -day job at Amazon, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Is it more strategy? Are you on the execution side of uh, uh, recruitment? So uh, it's, uh, it's twofold. It's, uh, it's on the strategy to see how we are going to, uh, to move the strategy over the next few years and how you have to streamline marketing. But in the meantime, it's very operational because I have to fulfill the demand or the support the line of business every day. If they need 1,000 workers in Boston, I need to do it. So I need to be very pragmatic in advertising and making sure that we get the number of candidates. So it's a, it's a balance. We are in a, in a peak season. Peak season starts um, from, um, I will say, July to December. And uh, at this time, it's like the company stop and everything is based on how we are going to support the consumer. So today, I will say I do more 80% of operations and 20% of strategy. And the way, uh, the way I approach things is really through the lens of the marketing funnel. And everything I do uh, for operations will help me with the strategy to understand where are we bleeding, where are we successful, and how we are going to adjust. You talk about my book, and in fact, my book is a kind of a methodology for me to bring Amazon to the next level of personalization. But operationally today, it's uh, almost a 24 by 7. 
And I wanted to mention the book again. We love having authors on because a lot of our listeners will go get the book and a lot of our listeners will also say thank you for having that on, that, uh, you know, that guest on, that helped. So personalization first or you will be last. And then also I want to bring up your other book and I want to talk about that book, Marketing 4.0, Think Global, Act Local, and Be Digital. Let's talk about that book, Frank. Now, and there was a, a, a time... You know, what was the time in between each book? Having two years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in fact um, the second book is really going deep in one aspect of the first one, which is MarTech. Because I think MarTech is a complex world and uh, you are part as a, as a DMP or DSP company. I don't know how you can name use, but you are part of this new world. Yep. And uh, I, I will tell you, um, 90% of the CMO don't understand this world. It's hyper-fragmented, it's hyper-complex. So that's the way it came up. That's pretty cool. And then, and Frank, you, like you said, I love your philosophy about, well, I could talk about those companies, but the marketing, I think, lasts just a certain amount of time. How were you able to consistently adapt during that time to, to take on new things, to adapt new technologies and marketing strategies throughout your career? It's a difficult question. I don't know if I have an answer, by the way. I really don't know. Um, you're doing it. Yeah, you're just doing it. Um, I, think, uh, I think it's part of the DNA of the marketer in some point that uh, and it, it comes with uh, how curious you are about the world around you. And um, maybe there is two leadership principle that I always add. And one is think big. And the second one is uh, invest and simplify. And when you, when you think big and you add this uh, simplifications, this is how you look at the technology every day and how consumer behave. And this is what has been driving me uh, around the marketing. So curiosity, and making sure that uh, you want to be cutting edge, this is what drives me. Now, how do you, where do you get this information? It's really, uh, I will say, not reading a lot, but I mean, I'm not interested in reading per se, but I'm browsing a lot and I like articles. And when something uh, brought my eyes up or captured my eyes, I do it. But uh, it, yeah, it's very simple. And, uh, I have a very good example to tell you uh, the way I think is um, when you look at the millennium today, so kids who were born uh, after um, 1987, I think, and you look at uh, the Generation Z and you ask yourself, did they ever buy a print? Because <laughs> people are coming. And I let you just answer these questions. And that's the way I'm thinking. And today, if you think about that, the new consumer is completely digital. He think digital, he leave digital. Why? Because they were born with Amazon at the same time period. So, yeah, I don't think I have a clear answer to you, but it's more based on uh, the DNA of a marketer to be curious. And oh, that's helpful. Have a great vision. And Frank, from all of the browsings that you do, what do you think, in the, in the next five years, what's some of the main technological advances or changes 
that uh, you foresee happening in marketing? Oof. Um, I'm a firm believer that uh, it's going to be the, um, the, the most important evolution is going to be around the new um, mobility of object like IoT. Um, it seems to me that today, if you think about you want to be more mobile responsive or <laughs> that is dead. You, you have to serve content and content is going to be everywhere through Alexa, through IoT device. You are going to be able to browse in your car. So I think the next generations for me is really based on the delivery of content and where you are going to get it. Um, because the reason I'm saying that is the new consumer uh, doesn't consume in a traditional way. The, the buying process is not linear. It can, get, it can get into the sales funnel at any given time. And when you think about awareness, uh, middle of the funnel, or bottom of the funnel, they don't do that anymore. They can get in, buy the product in in few seconds. But I think what is important is the accessibility of this information is going to be everywhere. And I see very well uh, my fridge telling me that I need to do something, I need to order. And uh, I believe a lot in IoT device. And um, I mean, in this type of technology coming up, it's going to make the life easier for everyone. So my, my, my final point will be, I believe that technology is going to continue digital transformations in order to make the life easier for consumers and uh, the mobility is going to be huge. And how, how do you kind of uh, think people who are not, you know, born with technology, like pre-millennials, how do they keep up with it? How do they keep themselves uh, relevant in this age? Um, I, think, I think they have no choice. Um, I'm going to give you the example of my dad. My dad complains all the time because he cannot access information. He doesn't have a computer. Um, if, he want, if he want to order things, he has to go through me and I will do through Amazon. So um, I think for, for people like me, which I'm getting, uh, I mean, uh, I'm getting there, it, it's just a question about how easy it is. And today, when you buy an iPhone, um, when you buy a computer like an Apple, there is no uh, training required to understand. You get the basic. So I think by making the technology easier, um, the, the boomer can really access new technology. Um, it takes certainly more times for them to get in, but uh, it's not a barrier. I think the technology today is not the barrier because it's easily accessible. And Frank, I wanted to play off of a few themes that you were talking about before, but uh, before I do that, any tips on narrowing the gap between front, the front line of marketing or what the customer sees and the back end of marketing that you work with? Does the gap even need to be narrowed? Yes. So, um, let me, uh, let me start first to explain why we need to do it. So in order to bridge the gap between the consumer and the brand, 
we need to think about today we leave the end demand economy. So AJ was talking about Airbnb. So you think about the Uberization of everything. So today our brand are in the pocket of the consumer 24 by seven and the consumer can access informations anytime, anywhere. AJ today, if he wants right now, check as Airbnb and say, hey, by the way, I would like that. He can do that right away. You don't have to say, okay, it's between nine and five. So the end demand economy and what Uber brand on the table is really an explosion of uh, the digitizations. And, but when you think about it, it's, com it's completely aligned with, with what consumer wants. The consumer wants personalizations. He wants information. So the end demand economy is a response to that. And since the new consumer is really digital native, it makes sense. Now, how do you bridge the gap? It's simple, you are in this sphere anyway. So you have to first, for me, is to develop a, a consumer first approach, a culture that goes from across all the entire organizations. If you think about operation, finance, CEO, CMO, everyone needs to embrace consumer first. And at Amazon, it's really one of the first principle. It's consumer obsessions. Now, after that, you need to think about the way you are going to deliver the value to the consumer. And I think today we don't sell. We inform, we guide, we advise, and we care. Why that? It's because it's a good way and the best way to earn the trust of the consumer. Now, the last, the, uh, the other piece that needs to come up is how do you make this slide um, or how do you implement frictionless marketing and support the multi-screen users? Every consumer today has more than three devices. They watch TV with their mobile and tablet. So how do you approach all the touch points onto these different devices? And this is where I'm answering your questions. There is, a, there is a, what we call the marketing technology stack. Some call it the madness technology. And in fact, it's how do you bridge the gap between data, tech, and science? And there are three fundamental components to do it. There is a data, and every company today should be able to collect first-party data and third-party data. The data is going to help them define what we call deterministic business model or probabilistic business model. When you get that, the decisioning engine is a second piece of the MarTech that is important. It's going to help you make the decision in real times. And finally, and I talked about that earlier, is the delivery of the content. And you need to separate the way you personalize content and the way you deliver it. So as an example, today companies that run their business on a CMS are totally wrong. They need a headless CMS or they need a separations. And maybe today a content management system is not necessary. You can have a, I'm going to be technical, but a digital asset management system and you can have a delivery system. The web in the middle doesn't matter. What matters is how you are going to deliver the piece of information to the device at the right time, to the right person. 
And this is how MarTech came together. But once again, I just want to, uh, to reinforce the fact that it is data, a decisioning engine, and content personalization and delivery, or content management as a service. That's the three parameters that are fundamental to, to succeed for me. No, I appreciate it. And I, I'm learning quite a bit myself uh, from our conversation. And, and you already kind of touched, you touched upon what one of my next questions was about personalized marketing. So we, uh, we could pivot away from that because you touched upon it or you want to add some additional uh, thoughts on that. Because I know you're a big believer in it. I, I, I know that about you. I could hear it in, in your statement. So uh, if you want to elaborate on that a little bit more or I have another question for you. I have many questions for you, Frank. No, I think... Uh, um I think what is the, uh, let me, I think what is very interesting in, uh, in personalizations is maybe let me give you what is key. You can do, uh, you can do programmatic marketing with third party data. It's possible. But if you want to achieve personalizations, you will have to implement first party data and technology that we call CDP customer data platform. That will be the only way to achieve personalization and do it right. So everything I said before is still right, but the degree of personalization you want will be based on data, will be based on, do you want to do uh, deterministic or be probabilistic when you think about the business? And uh, once again, and the last piece is really, uh, don't think about mobile, think about cross-device. That's, that's the key to succeed today. I think people, I, I'm getting a lot of uh, requests about, oh, I need to be uh, mobile responsive. Come on, guys. <laughs> this world is dead. <laughs> today, you have to be cross-device. And it's everything, everywhere. And, uh, and, and to tell you the, the truth is, uh, it's not me. It's the consumer wanted. It's just that. I mean, uh, in you, if you think about it, the, the technology allow you to have more time for yourself and with your kids or your family. So we have to take advantage of that. So that's uh, the only things I wanted to add. Appreciate it. Frank, what are some of the personal favorite apps and technologies that uh, you use personally? Um, I'm not a... I'm not a fan of uh, applications. I think application makes sense, like app. Uh, app make, makes sense uh, with, uh, with airline company, with uh, financial institutions, insurance. If you are on, a, on some other domain of activity, what I like is, uh, is not necessarily the app, it's the, um, the Google technology, the, um, I think it's WPA technology that allow you uh, to access information. So as a, as a company, you can, you can leverage this technology and everyone will have access to it. So I like to, to, this type of technology because I don't like to move from uh, when I'm on my mobile, I like to browse and make, make sure that everything is mobile. However, uh, one of my favorite app is Spotify. The reason Spotify is amazing, it's because they help me discover what I don't know. So they, 
they really understand my mindset and they are the algorithm that is going to analyze everything I've been listening. And they are coming back a day after saying, hey, Frank, this is a new uh, top hit. And it's amazing the way I've been increasing my knowledge in music just with uh, an app like Spotify. So for me, Spotify is, uh, is an amazing uh, technology and they are better than Uber. The, I like also Uber, definitively. Um, so I like all this, uh, this company that offer you to access the informations in real times. But Spotify has something special. They get into you mindset and they get you what you like. So Frank, speaking of uh, you know, data and what you're doing, especially around uh, kind of recruiting, say someone like a, a fleet driver, uh, you know, what kind of data do you have access to uh, to help you uh, sort of uh, hone in on your targets? Well, that's, um, so that's part of the strategy because I came on board. So I'm on this uh, flex, um, uh, flex business. And in fact, we don't have data, unfortunately. Um, we are very cautious with uh, BII, so privacy. So we are uh, really not touching or uh, we cannot transfer um, this data from one platform to the others. So the data we collect is really based on the behavior of the drivers. And based on the behavior of the drivers, we are going to try to go up and move the recruiting. So it's a long run. And in this long run, my goal is what other data do we need to collect in order to help us making better decisions. Because today, the, the big issue, if you think about Uber, if you think about Lyft and even Amazon, is the, uh, the attrition. So how do you work on a customer lifetime value? In order to, uh, to increase the customer lifetime value, you have to understand the behaviors and collect more data over times. But today, the data I collect is really minimum. Because the way you enter in the process is you go to the app, you put some informations, you wait for the onboarding process. During the onboarding process, this is where we are going to get more data. And this is how we are going to make the junctions in the future. Trying to understand based on the data collected, based on the behavior, how the algorithm is going to help us targeting the right driver. Because and you are in this, uh, in this domain, um, AJ. Yeah. The, the, the critical piece for a CMO is to understand where do I need to fish to get the candidate who is going to most likely stay with us. Not for six months, but for 12 months or 18 months. And that is part of the strategy. I don't have an answer today, but this is where I'm working on. Um, I did... I did uh, this job when I was at DNN for a B2B business. And uh, we did, uh, we, we created a business case. The business case was based on two things, omnichannel attributions and lead scoring. And how do you tie lead scoring with omnichannel attributions to understand what will be your omnichannel strategy? And after, uh, yeah, after 18 months, I was able to reduce by 50% the advertising budget 
and achieve the same volume of sales. Why? It's because I work with a programmatic company to target only the A lead. So the lead that we are most likely to convert. And before that, we were doing more mass marketing. So we were reaching anybody. So lead A, B, C, D. After a certain period of time, if you are able to say, no, I just want a lead. This is the lead that brings us the value, the average order value. So that's hopefully give you some, uh, some information. But I think it's when you collect data over time, this is where you grow and you get more efficient and cost effective. And Frank, I want to talk about your position specifically, especially during 2020, right? So Amazon has always been a, a huge company doing great business, but that business is probably is, is increased tremendously, I would say, through the pandemic. Uh, yep. Come to my aid many a times with small children and diapers and, you know, uh, getting, uh, you know, on time all the time. So I, I appreciate that. But your job specifically, uh, you know, getting, you know, building that fleet, if you will, everything had to increase, right? What, what was 2020 like for you and your position specifically? So uh, I, I came on board just at the COVID times. and. Um, Yes, that's so. Think about uh, business booming by 40%, 50%. So, meaning um, you have to put the full capacity in the, in the different fulfillment centers, making sure that you have the driver delivering, you have uh, all the labor. So, the, the strategy has been about understanding how the good to market strategy needed to be worked in terms of. Uh, what is the competitions? Because unfortunately, Amazon is not the only one. So there is two parameters that has been difficult in this COVID is um, because you cannot scale, you cannot say, okay, I'm, I'm investing $100, I'm going to get two drivers, and tomorrow if we need uh, five, uh, 500 drivers, I need to make the, the math. No, it doesn't work this way. And the goal is how the difficulty has been, how do you scale all the marketing and increase and be innovative in a different channel to recruit. The, uh, the factor that has been good for us is because of COVID, we got a lot of um, people on the market asking for a job to survive. So we were able to maintain the float this way. But uh, that's one thing, and when learning, it's scaling advertising has not been a success, has more been an uh, investment in terms of we needed to keep up, so we invest. We, we didn't really work on the um, efficiency. We work on the, uh, the volume needed because we were surprised by COVID. And when you think about uh, scaling advertising, it takes time, uh, it takes analysis, and I didn't have time to do it. So... I will say we sacrifice a little bit the profitability in order to make sure that we sustain the business growth. But this learning of COVID is going to help us for 2021. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And Frank, I want a fun fact about you because you, uh, you mentioned Facebook. You actually got to meet someone at Facebook, didn't you? Uh, can you tell me about who that was and, and that particular meeting? 
Yes, uh, it's an interesting uh, story. So 2008, uh, I was at uh, 24 Fitness and uh, I got a chance to launch um, Facebook for 24 Fitness. And uh, one day, uh, Facebook reached us, reached 24 Fitness and say, we are going to launch Facebook local. So we'd like uh, to help you achieve this goal. So what it means is, they wanted to uh, they wanted to uh, to help us add one Facebook page per club. So think about uh, twenty four fitness. It's about five fifty club at this time. So five fifty Facebook page uh, with uh, building with Facebook and Facebook invited four companies. We were part of the four company invited, and I got a chance to make uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, in a small uh, in a small room and the fun fact with that is um, so we got uh, we got uh, press and uh, questions start and I was in a room and someone say um, uh, a journalist say well Mark um, what about the tablet are you going to uh, uh, to make sure that uh, Facebook is available on this mobile device and he look at the guy and he say a tablet is not a mobile device and uh, it was uh, what I've learned is when you have a genius in front of you they always have their own point of view you like or you don't like uh, because everybody thinks that tablet is a mobile device which I will think this way but he has a very good uh, point of view on that and uh, that was a funny fact for me it's uh, I, I like to meet with uh, with genius and Mark was one of them. He was very cool. He explained his visions, and um, it was an interesting moment. The, the the fun part for me for me was the recognition of Twenty Four Fitness in this world, and we were very cute in age. So uh, I really enjoyed this moment. That's awesome. Yeah, and he was a he was a he's still kind of a kid to me, but he was two thousand eight. He was really a kid back then, right? And. Yeah. Uh, did he have the hoodie on? Did he have uh, his sweat, his infamous sweatshirt? Just that's my last. Just, uh, no, no, it was just a t-shirt and jean. <laughs> that's just, it. Uh, the way it is. But it was I cool. It was a, good, a great moment. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, so, Frank, you know, what's been, you've worked at some great places. Uh, what's been kind of a career highlight for you that you are proud of? I think it's, um, it's uh, 24 Fitness. Why? Is because 2008, AJ, you know it. It's uh, social media. It's mobile. It's a, it's a drastic change in the world. The way people were consuming, the new generation of consumers. And uh, I got a chance to build the e-commerce platform for 24 Fitness, build the strategy, recruit a team, um, starting from scratch. And after five years, I was able to generate $500 million and 75% of the lead of the company. But the most important things in this story is how do you make the digital transformation effective and how do you bring on board all the people, all the employees that are going to support the strategy? That has been an interesting journey for me for five years at 24 Fitness. But the result was amazing. And uh, that's, uh, that's my best experience. Uh, for 
In summary, for three reasons, because I was part of the digital transformations, because I was touching all the new technology to make marketing more efficient and perform, and because uh, I was really working with uh, amazing people. And uh, that has been, uh, that made my journey uh, great. That's what. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the part you may not know is that we actually uh, do acquisition marketing for 24-hour fitness uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, and things had really slowed down with COVID. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people were furloughed. But uh, since they're restructuring, they've really been aggressive in pushing out uh, acquisition marketing as clubs are reopening. Yes, and um, AJ, um, I'm going to, to give you another story uh, I was about doing a partnership with Ubisoft, the gaming company when I was at 20, uh, 24 Fitness. And the reason is I wanted to, uh, to make the home of consumers, the gym itself. So I wanted people to, be, uh, to have access to classes. And uh, I was ready to, to, to embark with uh, Ubisoft to create this game where you can train at home. The reason was, uh, my, my perception was, um, why do we have to go to the gym to train? And the idea was, let's make the gym everywhere. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, uh, to run the project. But if you think of as of today, if we had done that, the company would be in a better space because they have been lately on the chapter 11, I think. Right. right. And um, I've been part of chapter 11 when I was at United. I know how difficult it is. And it's uh, what is interesting, and that, that goes back to one of your questions. How do you think about the, the future, the visions? And when I brought this vision at 24 Fitness to expand outside of the gym, I was not getting the support. But today, having done that, will have been making the company going through COVID. It's just, uh, it, it's just sometime uh, when, you think, when, you, when you think back, you say, oh, man, we missed this step. So it's interesting. But, uh, yes, I have a lot of story like that. Um, the, you, you talk about Mark Zuckerberg. But um, when I was at 24, I also did something interesting. I partnered with Yelp. And you know the power of Yelp. It's, uh, it's a 50 or 60 million of users. And anytime they, they post a comment, it's hurting you. And imagine for the club, it's not clean. People, they say something wrong. So, but you, when you partner with Yelp and you say, I want to get a Yelp page for each club, the impact was not only we grow the sales, but we engage a conversation with, uh, with consumers who are complaining and we are able to change the rating on Yelp. So uh, it's just uh, some other example that are interesting in, uh, in marketing that but you need to have a courage to do it because sometimes people who are watching on the top and they don't like what you're doing because it think, they think that it's going to hurt your company or your brand. But in fact, if you are respectful, honest and transparent, I don't think it will be a problem. And Frank, we just have a few minutes left. Time flies when you're learning and you're having fun here. Frank, uh, and also I just want to add, you know, that the 24-hour fitness, you did that, all that success in 2008 when the economy wasn't uh, at the greatest, you know, yeah. it was kind of, so I just wanted to add that element uh, to that there. Uh, Frank, 
there's, uh, I want to get to know you personally a little bit too and some of the teaching work you're doing, but I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of our guests on the Marketing Stir. It is the LinkedIn question, right? So you get, you're at Amazon, your experience, your title, people probably reaching out to you all the time on LinkedIn. What is a LinkedIn message that gets your attention if someone reaches out and says, you know what, I'll have a meeting with that person. And then on the flip side of that, what is a message that you just hate a pet peeve of yours on LinkedIn? In fact, I, I avoid a message that I hate, so I, I try to stay positive, but let me tell you two <laughs> things about LinkedIn. Um, I discover a, a job posting, so it's not a, it's not a, um, uh, it's not a message or an email, it's a job posting, and it was coming from a landing club. And the job posting was uh, director of performance marketing and personalization. And I look at it and say, wow, finally, some companies are going there. They are thinking personalization. So I was thinking, yeah, it's a good time. I think uh, personalization at scale, it's in motions. So that was, uh, the, for me, uh, a light in what I believe is people-based marketing. So that was uh, very interesting. The, the other thing that uh, uh, was interesting for me is when I bump into a post from, uh, I don't know if you know him, it's uh, Dan Price, is the uh, founder of uh, Gravity Payment. And uh, I read it, uh, it was in the time of the COVID. And uh, this guy inspired me. He, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, when I read it, he explained his missions. And the mission is, uh, is really to create a world where uh, value-based companies reshape the economy. So in some point, he explained that uh, business uh, is not about making the most money possible, but it's about purpose, service, and making a difference among people. And he concluded by, it's not about doing business as usual, but doing business better. And I invite everyone to read um, about Dan Price because when you think about COVID, you need to think about people. You cannot think anymore about dollars or investment. It's how can art together, can we survive? Can we have a good life? And uh, Dan Price, who is a CEO, has a very uh, peculiar way or emissions that he tried to achieve. And I, and I think if you think about Jeff Bezos on Amazon and Dan Price, it's like uh, black and white. And I think there is something interesting. So that was uh, an amazing moment for me when I bump into this guy and post. That's awesome. And then finally, just uh, you know, a little bit about your, your personal side. What do you like doing in your personal time? I know you're also uh, you're, you're teaching. Right now, uh, you volunteered in the past to teach, uh, you know, um, your time. Talk to us about that. So, uh, personally, uh, I do a lot of sport. So, I'm a triathlon athlete. Oh, so, wow. uh, that's, the, that's the way I, I finish usually my day. I take my, uh, I go to swim, I run, or I back. Some people smoke, some people drink. <laughs> usually, uh, I keep the drink for Friday. Nice. So today is going to be an interesting uh, <laughs> another day. 
But uh, no, I, I enjoy life. Uh, and uh, something I cannot do anymore for right now, it's traveling. But, uh, and to give you uh, the test of that, I want to do the triathlon in Cuba. Wow. I went to Cuba two years ago. It was an amazing experience and I decided to do it next time. So, yes. So, you know, I think uh, people need to think about life is uh, take every moment. It's like a carpe diem. Just enjoy the moment. It's not always easy. I'm not saying it's, it is, but try to do it and you will make your life easier. So when you say if there is a message that you hate, I try to avoid a negative uh, vibe. It doesn't bring anything anyway. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a great way to end the podcast on, you know, just try to stay positive. I try to stay positive all the time. I'm yeah. always happy. People are like, why are you always so happy? I'm like, I'm alive. Like, why else? It's just be positive, right? So that has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time sharing us, uh, sharing with us and your wisdom and your experience, Frank. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Frank Ardurell. He is currently at Amazon. He's a senior marketing principal, workforce strategy, innovation. We really appreciate you joining us on the Marketing Stir. He's Frank. I'm Vincent. That's AJ. This has been another episode of the Marketing Stir. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.